My skin is black. What you looking at? My skin is black. I feel so good to be black right now. Welcome to episode 142 of the Black in Fashion Podcast. I know you guys see we got a different scenery happening. We're still in the same studio, so we're still in Platform <laughs> Boutique Studios, but we wanted to try something different today. Um, a different scenery. The Black in Fashion Podcast is at 142. That is crazy. We are about to hit five years at the end of this year that we've been doing this podcast. So, And wow. Jess was on one of the... Very early episodes yeah. um, when we first, first started. So it was time to bring her back. I don't know if you guys know, but she's also one of the panelists for the self-care designer retreat. But she's also a fashion tech guru. So we're going to get a little bit into her background, a little bit about her journey. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the retreat. So, yes, introducing Jessica Couch. Uh. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit you. about your background, okay. um, you know, where you're from and how you started um, in the fashion tech space. Absolutely. So. I'm originally from Durham, North Carolina. Um, I got into fashion tech because I love fashion. I thought that I was going to be a fashion designer. I was like sold out on it. My aunt taught me how to sew. She was a seamstress. I did all of my sister's prom dresses. I made stuff. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I worked in retail, as most people in the fashion industry do. Uh, <laughs> of <course. laughs> the bottom of the bottom. I worked in retail while I was in um, high school and college. And I went to NC State's College of Textiles. And that's when I first colleges textiles in north carolina nc state nc state yeah the thing i liked about state was they had every machine that the industry used so they've got the machines that literally takes like um it takes fibers and creates yarns and threads oh nice they do all textiles okay you can make fabric machine everything a knit machine i like you can make they had knit machines woven machines they had the shima seikis before they were like a thing so they were doing the 3d knitting they had the cutters so that you could see like how to lay your patterns out and how to optimize all of those things they had the sewing machines so I think being in the presence of that made me be like wow this is a world beyond me and I did not like sewing so I got into fashion tech really because I didn't really like to sew and I'm always looking for a way to make my life easier faster I like efficiency um what really started my career I took a trip to Egypt in about 2010 before I graduated and I went to this place called Luxor and I had this like experience where I was like wow it's so beautiful I felt inspired I came back did a collection and I started a business called Luxor and Finch. okay yeah so I owned a boutique for like three years okay and I liked it I, I thought what I was doing was I'm in the south I had previously worked at Nordstrom some of the complaints when I worked there was like girls like me couldn't find stuff to wear Period. And I'm like, you know, if you're from the South, you're already thicker and they're giving you products that don't fit the demographic. So I thought with my store, I would order, I would have things that filled in the gap. Gotcha. This is before Nordstrom had like Topshop. It just had BP. So it was missing a lot of brands. And so I wanted to fill a gap with my business, which is something I always do. I'm always trying to solve a problem with any business that I'm working with. Because if you can solve a problem over and over again, you can keep your customers coming back. And so the problem I wanted to solve is to provide clothing for people of different shapes and sizes. And so I was doing that. And I noticed that when I put clothes on people who look like regular people and not models, I got way less returns, like less than Mm. 8% returns were due to fit so that was a big deal because when i worked in nordstrom people bought something they didn't try it on they bring it back because it didn't fit and and shopping online was difficult and so i started to realize like some of the techniques that i was using and some of the things i wanted to do didn't exist yet so like for my online store i was like if i could do like in store i was a top seller not because i'm sleazy with the sales pitches (laughs) that's not my thing i don't even like people like that but i knew our inventory so well and i knew like 
the type of person that could walk through the door, I could categorize them to a persona based on what they had. I had their CRM data. I could sell them anything. Gotcha. So everybody that came on the store, I could sell them anything because I'm looking at them. And I was thinking if I could just take that and create an algorithm where I could do that in my store, I wouldn't have to one-on-one so much. And this is before Instagram stores were easy. Gotcha. Now Instagram stores is interconnected. Yeah. It's great. Back then it was like a disconnected experience. And so... I just went with a hunch. I was kind of like, I want to first validate, am I the only store that wants fashion tech? Or am I the only store that feels like there's inefficiencies? Or is this something across the industry? And so I gave up owning a store to go sleep on my sister's couch in New York. I moved to New York. I ended a relationship because at the time it just was not supportive. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, (laughs) I mean, we ain't going to get into it. But I will say, I feel like as a woman entrepreneur or business owner, your relationships are almost as important as mm-hmm. your partnerships, as your investors, as your vision, because Absolutely. if they don't get it or if they're not supportive of you, it becomes a headache. So yeah. I left that relationship, moved to New York, slept on my sister's couch. She was at NYU grad school because my goal was to validate my hypothesis. Right. Mm-hmm. My hypothesis was. I think the industry needs tech solutions and fashion in order to create more efficiency so we can sell online better, right? And I had to do a lot of things to validate that. So I took two internships. I was working 14-hour days because I took one in a um, with Tracy Reese, okay. and I was in her designer. Oh, no, 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 not Tracy Reese. I think about Ooh. somebody else. I- the black lady. Yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm. I took an internship and I hated it, but it was with Cynthia Rowley. Oh, Cynthia Rowley. Yeah. But I'm like, I wish I could have yeah. got with Tracy. Tracy was dope. And I noticed like she made products for women that were built like her, mm. but she didn't have a way to communicate that. So when they were looking at returns and they were sending stuff over for fittings and it was coming back and the fit models might be different than the intention that they had with the dress. So it was a lot of discrepancies. And I'm like, you could solve this with tech, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you, at the time, they didn't have social media too. I got in trouble because I was, I built them a social media program and the people who were in charge of like PR and marketing was kind of like, you're overstepping your boundaries. And I was like, it'd be the white, it'd be the, what they call 23, 24, It was yes. No, they always do that. So I was kind of like, you know what, whatever. During those times when I was just like trying stuff and discovering, I validated my hypothesis. I realized that fashion was primed for tech and there was nobody really there that could usher it in. And I wanted to be on the forefront of that wave. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot then. I was styling, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Ne- I met so many great people and friends through styling. I loved it. It was such a gritty but rewarding experience. It was great to try on $500,000 Christian Dior Ooh. minx. Right? I'm like, I could live for this. But I- then I was like, I can live for this, but my day rate? I'm like, I can, I'm not going to be able to afford it. Styling isn't usually based off of this. It's usually based off of their budget, right? Or like, yeah. do you have to have like a, I mean, I think stylists have gotten a lot smarter these days, but yeah. like them actually having like a set number that they're willing to work with or not so that they can make sure they get paid. Yeah. I know then, that business is really hard. And back then you couldn't really like, if you wanted to get in most. So when I was doing editorial, I was working for like the um, international Vogue sets. And so you'd have a head stylist come in and you'd see on that sheet, she got $8,000 to show up that day. But you had to get there first, unpack everything, know where everything was, put the looks together, figure out what the vision is going to be, work with the photographer, work with the assistant, make sure everything's accounted for. She comes in, selects what you've kind of put together, or maybe she changes some stuff, and then she's gone. you got to pack everything up, do your returns, get everything back to them. And she's getting paid eight bands that day, and I might have got paid 200 bucks. Wow, and you did all the work. Yeah, and you're a third assistant. 
So like, yeah, so it was a gritty to, at the time I didn't see a path for me. And I, I got a lot of great friends who are stylists. So like mm -hmm. they've been able to create careers. They might do celebrity. They might do um, bigger stuff like on sets. But at the time I was like, I'm having a great time in New York, but I know that there's a wave that's going to happen. I got to get ahead of it. And mm -hmm. so I once again started my life over. I dropped everything. I was like, to hell with New York and, and my career in styling. I was doing so well in styling. I made it to the set of Art Pop. I was working under Brandon Maxwell and um, Lady Gaga. It was the most fulfilling experience. But I remember having to make a hard choice of like, are you going to keep going this direction? Or are you going to pursue what you came here for? Gotcha. I think that's another thing with business is like pivots are going to happen, but you want to choose the best pivot possible because I could have pivoted and stayed on that path. And who knows? That could have been equally as great. True. But I pivoted and I was like, I need to prepare myself for the wave. When I got my master's at Cornell, specifically in what I wanted to study with like fit technology integration. Mm -hmm. And then I just came out thumping, trying to figure it out. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like in your journey of like entrepreneurship and yeah. pivoting and stuff like that. You've also had, you've also dealt like with partnerships and collaborations. Yeah. Now, how is it or what are some I guess key things that you look for in a part in a business partner because I think a lot of people they want to have a business partner but they may it be a, a lack of trust it might be a, like they're having to go 50 50 so what are some key things from your experiences that are great when it comes to a partnership dynamic that is a great question so first of all your business partner is going to be like a relationship so it's going to be like a marriage right it's the closest thing that you'll have to a marriage when you're not married so you have to make sure that you all have the same foundation i think oftentimes people have this idea that opposites attract mm -hmm. right and they're like oh it's good you know this person does this but i'm the opposite i do that that is kind of a myth okay totally. yes okay. this is what i like to say instead you need the same foundation and complementing skill sets so in that thing, you want the same foundation. You don't want to have opposite foundations. You want to be the same type of hard workers, people that believe in this, have similar visions, and maybe this person is really good at small details and you're really good at the bigger picture so that those things complement and they fit into each other. If you don't have that, what, what will happen is when times get hard, when things go left, when things are good, people revert back to who they are in their homeostasis of being. So mm -hmm. if that person is opposite from you, if shit hits the fan, now y'all have this tension between you because you might want to solve a problem one way. They're going to want to solve it another way. And it's going to cost your business. Gotcha. So I think with partnerships, you have to be equally yoked. Okay. That's in the Bible. Okay. okay. I know you have to be equally yoked in your vision, what you're willing to give. 50-50 partnerships can be tough because you absolutely have to vet that person to make sure not only are you all equally yoked, but you both have the same ideals and you can come together in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other ways that you can structure partnerships. You know, like it doesn't always have to be 50-50. It can be merit-based. If one person is bringing in clients and the other person does something else, it can be based on commissions. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of ways you can structure it. But it's super important that you need to really figure out what are you trying to get a partner for? Because I made a mistake like this before. Okay. I didn't like administrative tasks or like certain small things. Or, for instance, I've never worked in corporate. So I thought I needed someone who had those skills mm -hmm. as a partner. Those are things you can potentially hire out. Those are things that True. AI can do for you now. True. Those are things that interns can do for you. I don't even have that in my business no more because of goddamn technology. Yeah. I used to have a customer service and an operations manager. I don't have even one of those now because of tech. Uh, tech, yeah. And I, thank God I for it. I incorporate a lot of tech. I don't yeah. even have like 
I don't even answer inquiries no more. You don't have to. That shit is automated. Somebody send an inquiry, send them back to roll sure that it shows them how to book. Like so Done. all that it actually cut a whole thing for me. Like that's like technology. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you have to think about it. What am I really needing a partner for? Do I need somebody to help bring in work? Or is it that I'm needing to delegate tasks to someone else so that I can focus on a bigger picture? Mm-hmm. And depending on the answer you come up with, it could be a tech solution. You don't necessarily have to have a person. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a person, you have to grow, you have to learn. It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. Have, I feel like having employees is hard. Yeah. Now, having someone that you literally got to talk to about every step of the business or whatever, and y'all not meshing well, and the opposite is attracting. It's crazy because that's, that's exactly what I thought. Like, okay, yeah. you're the creative mind. Yeah. You are the financial mind. Those are the two that I just think of yeah. for business. Like, if a, there's a partnership, it's somebody who's better at running financials, yeah. and it's the other person is the thinker, the creative, yeah. or whatever. Like, those are the two, yeah. like, things like that you need to make yeah. the, the forward thinker and the person who can manage because those money. are complementing yeah those are still complementing but you want both of those people to have the same foundation that we're willing to solve problems like this or we are high achievers in this sense or we both value having this that, and the third you need a foundation that's similar but then you need complementing skill sets if you are going to have a partnership because you need lines of delineation mm-hmm. right because what you don't want is getting confused about who does what and why and sometimes that happens in partnerships i've been in partnerships where no matter what you say you're like hey i'm going to take care of this people want to try it they Mm -hmm. want to cross the line they want to do it and then it creates confusion and you're just like why don't we just stick to what we do best right and you will be rewarded for that so yeah partnerships yeah there's ai now so i'm like you know just really consider what you need a partner for and then make sure you know you have complementing skill sets and foundationally are aligned definitely so let's talk a little bit about just like fashion tech uh, fashion tech and um for newer emerging designers now a lot of times with newer emerging designers the budgets are really really tight or whatever and they can't always incorporate technology into their businesses you know initially yeah so is there any programs or resources that you feel that are not crazy when it comes to i guess the price point stuff like that and what or just what something designers could just do better to incorporate tech into their fashion space when they're on a on a very low budget absolutely i think you should start small like sometimes the best tech is fintech it's ways to get payments like Klarna is a fintech, right? It allows your customers to break their payments into bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. Something that small makes a big difference because you might be selling something that's really expensive that people like, but this the technology allows them to still buy it and you're covered. You have like insurance from the company, but then they can split up their payments. That's the technology you want to implement. Even if it costs you however much it costs monthly or it takes a percentage, as long as you're making money, I think that type of tech is cool. There's also technology that's consumer facing. So let's say you're a designer and you are a a real designer at heart where you get inspired, you want to make pieces, but you know, we're in a consumer centric economy, which means it doesn't matter how creative you want to be. It has to resonate with your audience and you need to do a lot of work to figure out what is my audience? Who am I catering to? And what am I going to offer them that solves a problem? Mm -hmm. So some of the technology I always like to advocate for is the 3d design technology, like a, Clo 3D. Gotcha. Clo 3D, $80 a month, and you can design anything in 3D and show it to your audience and test it, right? Because you always want to, with tech, you want to test, learn, and repeat on a small scale. So before you spend a lot of money going ahead and picking out the wrong fabric or the wrong silhouette, you can test which products your audience responds to the best. You can put it in your emails, you can put it on your social, and then based on the data you get back, then you can make a decision. That could be really helpful if you're trying to produce things and and you want to make sure that you're on point question mm-hmm. was that 
virtual fashion show that Hanifa did that yep. year? Or was that clothes reading? Basically, it was browsewear. It's the same. It was browsewear. Yeah, browsewear. Okay. But that's really what yeah. it was, though. Yeah, okay. and I'm going to be honest. Browsewear is a bit more complicated with the user experience. I like clothes 3D because if you're like new at it, you can pick it up easily because it's very um, intuitive to how you're actually going to make a pattern anyway. Gotcha. Yeah, so like if you're a pattern maker by hand or even if you're a draper, it mimics that so that you can learn pretty quickly. Would you say that you need to have any prior skills like Adobe Illustrator, Adobe, yes. Photo, like any of those in order to yeah. maneuver through Clothe 3D? Yeah, I mean, let me say if you don't, you can absolutely YouTube and take your time. Okay. And you know, get some coffee, your Adderall, whatever you need. <laughs> whatever you need. Uh, whatever you need. Whatever you need. But I do think it helps. I think understanding pattern making inherently is going to be the skill you need the most and you can figure out everything else you have to be a pattern maker or a draper in order to really understand it but if you're not you can definitely learn it but it's i think tools like that is super important tools like your back-end data analytics you need to speak data and it's not a hard language but you need to understand if someone comes onto your website they look at an item and then they drop off your page. That's an indication that something is missing. You're not going to always know what the something is, but the more analytics you're able to interpret. website sticking is, right? Yes. Okay. Learned that in my master's program. Okay. <laughs> you need to know, like, you need to make sure that when people come to your site, they're moving through to conversions and they're not just coming because they saw a cute Instagram ad, can't find that item on your site, and then they leave. Analytics mm -hmm. will tell you that. Yeah. Analytics will also tell you that somebody might have spent, you know, a minute looking at something and then they didn't buy. And maybe on average, everyone's spending a, a minute looking at it. And that makes you have to work backwards and say, well, is my copy bad? Do I need to change my copy? Are they not understanding size and fit? Is this a high risk garment? I call a high risk garment something, anything that doesn't have stretch or it isn't like sweatpants, something that you can't just like be okay if it came and it was the wrong size mm -hmm. it's kind of a high risk garment the higher gotcha. the risk the item is the more information that you need to convey so that whoever's shopping with you is like okay i feel confident to buy this online knowing that it will fit me whether you do that by showing them customers or having some type of fit experience you need to integrate that gotcha. so little stuff like that can make a difference if you're on a budget but you definitely want to integrate and you want to make sure that you have a clean experience across social commerce because right now Having a website is great, but people are converting on social. Mm -hmm. Last year, we had like 79 million social buyers. Those are people that are literally going on to Instagram to buy things instead mm -hmm. of like your Shopify store, which would suck if you didn't have that integration right. because it creates a negative experience. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. See, I love that. So let's jump a little bit in. So we have the designer retreat coming up in mm -hmm. Chicago. I know you guys have been the summertime shy, but it is mm -hmm the world okay so i'm glad we food. moved the date right we're gonna have good food there we're gonna have a lot of experience so jessica's actually one of our panelists on the be well panel yes. and we're gonna talk a lot about just like entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and like their self-care so i did want the retreat to base around self-care so can you tell us a couple of your rituals or activities that you do like as an entrepreneur like things that you like this is my must this is my yeah. no for me i don't work on monday mornings it's just Hello. i just can't do it yeah. <laughs> like is, is that's my time and then i work thursdays i work on my business i don't yeah, work yeah. in my business so those are my two like I having that. a day of the week where you work on your business instead of in your business and Very then genius. i me i've also did it where i've only put clients on certain days or whatever so that way I have days where I'm like free flow and thinking and that's like a biggest thing for me and I, I meditate every morning and yeah. I journal. 
Come on. So now. what are yours? Okay. I too don't take meetings on Monday unless I have to. Unless okay. it's money. If it's money calling, whatever, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Right. But I try not to. I need my Mondays to plan and look at my calendar, think about the week, follow up, plan emails, do all that stuff. That's a self care thing. For me, um, some other self care practices is therapy when needed and mentorship. Like every so often because I feel like your business will only be as big as you can be, as you can imagine, as you can adapt to. So like there, you never are going to have time to stay the same. You absolutely have to be challenging yourself in a way. So it's good to have a therapist or talking to somebody or someone that can raise the bar for you and also remediate whatever is keeping you from being successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yes. A lot of self-care things that I do when I am settled, because right now I'm traveling, mm-hmm. when I'm settled, working out is self-care. But travel is also a form of self-care, too. Like it, was. it was. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> and then I was like, this is expensive and exhausting. <laughs> but no, like travel, yes, taking a break and getting away is a great way to self-care. Like you mm-hmm. absolutely have to turn off and say, no, that's self-care. Mm-hmm. And I think like um, working out, you got to treat your body right because entrepreneur, like, j- like right now. I have a hip problem. You know why I have a hip problem? Because I sat down so much during COVID just to work on the computer because we weren't out and about Mm -hmm. that it like exhausted my glute muscles and my hips responded by being weak. And now I'm like, wow, right? Can you imagine? It's a thing. It's a thing. So it's like, if you don't keep your body together and if you're not making sure you have like this stand up desk, you're not moving around, you could definitely get injured. You could be suffering. I had to get a shot in my butt. As a result of that, a shot in my butt. I was so. So she was like in a lot of pain. Yes. Wow. What? Because I was running. So I have been sitting all the time and I was like, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to go for a run because, you know, I like to exercise. And then I pulled a muscle in my groin, which aggravated my hip and my hip went nuts. And the doctor was like, wow. oh, this is happening because your glutes are weak. You sit down too much. And I'm like, the fuck? I have to work. Sorry. And then like. Oh, it's raw. Oh, thank you. Good. Yeah. Shit. Tug, damn bitch. All that. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> Self-care is cursing when I want. No, like. <laughs> So I went there, I drove myself to ER because I'm like, I got to work. Like, I don't have time to be in pain. Mm-hmm. Girl, they were like, we can solve it for you, but you're going to have to get a shot in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, I done reached the pinnacle of I need more self-care. And then I think self-care is also you got to laugh at your friends and you got to reflect. Yeah. I think women do that so well. Like, mm-hmm. we take time to talk and reflect and bounce ideas. Sometimes that's my self-care. Yeah. Sometimes. I talk to yeah. my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much talk to her damn near every morning. I've been mm-hmm. doing, we were doing that before LC even was like a thing. When LC was in the beginning stages, wow. we go to work at the same time. So I'd be on the train. She'd be driving to work. She lives in Chicago. We would just be talking about ideas and things wow. that we wanted. And she helped me out so much in the beginning mm-hmm. or whatever. And then she was even my first operations manager. But wow. we still do that to this day. Even after she left LC, we still talk every morning. That's like between like eight and like nine o'clock. And we literally, whether it will, when we were working together, mm-hmm. it was like, are we talking business or personal? Yeah, which but one? now it's like they just kind of run in between yeah, for us. Do. So we talk about personal shit and yeah. but that is like my stuff. I talk it's to that girl every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that talking, having conversations and having interactions with your community and like your support system is self-care because you got to be able to turn off. You got to be able to voice your opinion somewhere and people hear you and you feel good about it because mm-hmm. everything can't be about work, work, work. Right. Everything can and and you'll fall into that if you're starting a business or if your business takes an L or if 
if you know I don't know it's a damn pandemic if you know the whole world shuts down you will find yourself being like I gotta overwork but like you need time for family you need time for stuff you need time for friends and so you must balance balance is self-care I love that I love that and I go I do I've just I've only been doing it since this actually oh my god we're in May I've been doing it since December but I have been taking Pilates I and love I Pilates three, and I do it three days a week I'm a member at Club Pilates I have an I unlimited membership uh, unlimited membership is a value oh yeah oh yeah I'm there I was there I'm there oh. I'm there three times a week I'm there on Tuesday I usually either do Monday Tuesday Thursday or I do Tuesday Thursday and Friday but I do it three times a week and I even do the self assist massage on Fridays or whatever it's just a restore class so literally just like after a whole long week of working, I realized how much I like that class because it's not a class where you're working out. Yeah. It's a class where you're just stretching. And it's stretching. not yoga, but you're hitting the pain points for you. It's a lot of spine work on the spine and like I hip and that. opening up your hip. That's what and I mean. I'm like, I like this. I like this. We need it. Our bodies yes. are we our need tools. need a restore class too. So like not just the working out, but also the massages and the restore of your I body. I definitely need yeah. massage. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> I mean, I think like one of my love languages is touch. Mm-hmm. So like massages feel that in for me in a non-sexual way mm. where I still get <laughs> I still get touched on because I need that mm. but I'm not gonna hold you Pilates I loved it this is why I'm done traveling because it's been fun mm. but I'm like I want to settle back in and go to my workout classes and gotcha. get do all that and have and have a juicer I can't travel with a juicer right now right. and it's like buying ten dollar juices three four five times a day it's and just not, it's not it's not smart yourself. it's not smart well before we wrap up i have my little segment just called it's a muse so if you just want to throw out a quote a, a prayer a mantra affirmation anything that you do or say that just keeps you going it could be a book oh, um yes. that you recommend but it's a muse so just something okay. that inspires you that you want to share with someone else i got this from a book written by florence scoville shin i gotta give you this book um it's called like um the game of life and how to play it and she has a book called your word is your wand and when i wake up i say today is the day of my amazing success today is the day of my amazing prosperity and i like to start my day saying those type of things so that no matter what it puts me in that tone and i think that's super helpful for me i like that one mm-hmm. more time today is the day of my amazing success today is the day of my amazing prosperity i say that and i also be like thank you god for waking me success. up yes i yeah. say that every I got, day. I thank god, god for waking god. me up number one amazing success right. and prosperity i love yeah, that yeah that's love. super helpful it is now i'm gonna incorporate that in my routine yeah. after i say thank you for waking me up this gotta morning. thank the man upstairs gratitude well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you guys get your tickets. Yeah. Now y'all know. Yeah. Y'all know I'm a realist. Yeah. If y'all don't buy these tickets, I'm gonna have to cancel this shit. Okay? You gonna miss out. It's gonna be fun. So I'm just like, you gotta, y'all gotta, y'all gotta buy y'all tickets. Yeah. We moved it back to July 7th tonight, but we have so many ticket options. We got Friday only, Saturday only, Sunday only. We got all inclusive. We got some amazing vendors. So we got facials, we got yoga, we got mm. uninfused and infused food for the entire I weekend. Need both. The drinks. Um, we have. Um, um, henna, like we got, yeah, yeah it's a, it's gonna be it's great. A retreat, we got retreat. A, it's a retreat, retreat. Yeah. We got a henna specialist coming. We got a dance class. It's gonna be gonna get you a little sexy chair dance and like really feel sensual. So it's all about you. This weekend is about you. So we do have the the panel, but other than that, girl, we are gonna be relaxing and you're yeah. gonna just network and meet a lot of great people. And real camaraderie. Real camaraderie. Yeah. So hope to see you guys there. Definitely the I'll put the link in the show notes. So go ahead and copy your tickets and we will see you guys in Chicago. Pull up Chicago. Right. And on that note, stay black. Peace out. I love that. Right. <laughs> stay black. Peace out. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs>